Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome. My name is Ashley Sharp, and we'll be doing yoga and meditation and a little bit of dharma, a little bit of teachings today. I'm wondering if you could raise your hand if you're new. I saw a bunch of new people here. Welcome. Special welcome to you. And then if you could turn to your neighbor and say hello and introduce or reintroduce yourself. How are you? Good. In the eyes a little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just a, and a little taller, too. <laughs> um, so welcome to Thursday. For those of you that are new, you wouldn't know this, but this class is the second week we've met on Thursday, and we've been previously meeting on Fridays for, what, 30 years. So this is a big, big change for me anyway. I don't know if it is for you. Um, uh, So class goes like this. We do about an hour of yoga, and then we shift straight into meditation. We do about a half hour, 25, 30 minutes of meditation, and then I have a talk. And um, uh, my talk for you today is on vulnerability, vulnerability, which I think is a topic that maybe isn't so popular. It's based on, <laughs> I was listening to uh, Brene Brown. Do some of you know her? Yes. Yeah, and so she talks on this vulnerability thing, and she says people, um, people call her to talk, and they want her to talk on creativity and innovation and change. And um, she's like, yes, but the birthplace of those things is vulnerability. And I also thought vulnerability as a topic really fits in with the Buddha's four noble truths. The first noble truth is that there is that which is hard to bear, which is actually just saying that it's vulnerable to be a human, that we get injured and stuff like that. So, uh, you know, stuff like that, people we love die, (laughs) that first noble truth, that we're vulnerable and that it's not a weakness. So uh, I'll talk more about it. I'm not going to give the Dharma talk now. I can feel it starting to come, but I'll talk more on that in the second half of the class. But we'll start with the yoga. Um, And I think since you're all sitting, I'm going to join you. So you'll find a seat. Find your human dignity, your human seat, which doesn't mean that you're invulnerable or perfect. It just means that we take our seats within the humanness, within the imperfection. You know, it is called, I said this last week, I think, we are doing a yoga and meditation practice. We're not doing a yoga perfect or a meditation perfect. We're doing a practice. So we can take our seats like the Buddha and find the uprightness in your spine. And we sit halfway between heaven and earth. Let your shoulders melt down. Relax your face. And take a full breath in and a full breath out. Just put aside your thoughts for a moment. And notice that you're sitting here, that you have arrived with yourself. 
Your body, whatever state it might be in today, is welcome. So whatever yoga experience you have, whatever capacity you have or don't have in your body, you are welcome. Your body is welcome here. Whatever age, size, race, gender. So starting with ahimsa, which is a yoga word, non-harming, respect. Take a full breath in and out. And then to welcome your heart and your mood into the room also, whatever you might be arriving with, even if it's a little tender, or perhaps especially if it's a little tender, or maybe disconnected, or neutral. I don't know. Whatever you might be today, you're welcome. All moods, all personalities. Human condition. We come together to bear witness to the quality of attention called mindfulness, which is kind and curious, engaged, Pour your weight down into your hips and sits bones. So to do that, you might shift the back of the skull back and up just a quarter inch. Relax your hands and let your hands rest. So may this practice this morning be of benefit to you. May it serve your body. May it serve your heart. May it serve your mind. May this practice benefit you so when you leave, you have more capacity to offer wisdom and compassion to the world. And you have more capacity to meet the challenges of your life. Let's bring the hands to touch and we'll chant the sound Om just one time. Now, Om is a Hindu sound. It's from the Hindu tradition. It's not a Hindu sound, but it's from the Hindu tradition. It's just a sound. And the uh, Hindu tradition holds that Om is the sound of the sacred, the sacred that is embedded in the ordinary, that is not separate from the ordinary, the everythingness. We'll chant the sound Om just one time. Inhale. Tuck your chin, bring your thumbs to your forehead, take a big breath in and out. And here we bow our heads to the great strength of the body and the heart, the resiliency and capacity, but also bowing and respecting the great tenderness and vulnerability, the rawness of being a human both. And then take your arms up, hallelujah, we're going to do yoga, and it's Thursday. All right. I have to keep remembering what day of the week we're on. Don't change your jokes. I won't change my jokes. I have apparently no capacity to change my jokes. <laughs> the jokes stay the same. For those of you that are new, they kind of stay the same. They're still funny. <laughs> that could be debatable. Um, all right. So I would actually like you to take your um, big square cushion. 
So the big square cushion has a long way, a long way, and a short end. There's the first water bottle fall. And you're going to fold it long ways, sort of like a hot dog rather than a hamburger. You're going to fold it once, like so. And then, get this, this is going to be contrary to what you would think. You're going to come with your bum and um, mid-back on and your shoulders and head off. So the end will be right around the shoulder blades. And you get the back of the shoulders on the floor and the back of the head on the floor. So not the top of the shoulders nor the top of the head. And the feet, the knees will stay bent, and the feet can go on the cushion or on the floor next to the cushion, whichever you're more comfortable. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm going to come around and just have a look-see. And if you're uncomfortable, please let me know. So sometimes yoga is uncomfortable and awkward, you know, just like life is sometimes uncomfortable and awkward. But in this particular shape... If you are feeling awkward or uncomfortable, let me know, because sometimes a small adjustment can make a big difference. Uh, scooch towards the back of the room more. Yes, even more. Yeah. So the shoulder blades are on the floor. Yeah. Yeah. Back of the shoulders. Yes. Good. Good. Good, good, good. Good, good, good. Let the hands be palms up by your side. Spana, scooch to the back of the room even more. Yeah. And let the hands be palms up. Uh, scooch to the back of the room even more. Heads on the floor. Shoulders are on the floor. So you have to come a good six inches. That's like a little inchworm situation here. Good. And then um, exaggerate the breath. So first, as you inhale, let your belly expand up towards the ceiling, and then roll the breath all the way up into your rib cage. So you inhale, expand the belly, and then roll all the way up into the rib cage. So there's this exaggerated inhale of bringing in breath. And the exhale, um, the exhale actually, let's exhale out the mouth. And you could even make a small sound if you were feeling it. Or, or just however, just some small. It's a very big room. So inhale goes like this. The belly expands and then you roll the breath all the way up into the rib cage. And then the exhale each time is out the mouth and is really letting go, emptying out. The, the inhale, the ribs, like your rib cage were a balloon and it were filling not just forward but sideways under the side ribs and upwards under the collarbone. So, you know, a balloon will expand uh, in th- like a sphere. And I guess that would be 360 degrees. Let your ribs do that. And the exhale... Maybe one more exhale with the mouth open, and then you'll switch to mouth closed, exhales. Um, Let your eyes go soft. Let your eyes go soft as you do this, and you'll do maybe three 
are four more breaths. And these breaths are deeper than your natural uh, sort of habitual breath. These three or four deeper breaths with this inhale expanding and exhale emptying out. Okay. Good. Now, move your feet. For those of you that have the feet on the cushion, have them off to the sides. Knees can still be bent. And you'll lift up your bum and slide the cushion out. It might not be graceful. Nobody said it had to be graceful. And then um, you'll roll over onto your right side. I think you'll need to peek over at me to see what's happening here. On this side, the cushion is going to come again on the ribs. And your head, if it's comfortable, will fall down on the floor. You could use the arm as a pillow. And your left arm and your left leg straighten. So it's almost like, because of the cushion under your rib cage, almost like a rainbow shape from your left hand to your left foot. And here, uh, relax your neck as best you can. If you need your arm under your head as a support, that's just fine. Here, inhaling, and let those left ribs expand. So I'd like you to go back to exaggerating the breath here. Yeah. The top hand, let it be palm down, and you're exaggerating the breath. And the breath will actually, the inhale will stretch the space between the ribs. You might feel a sense of tightness here where we're asking the muscles that are between the ribs, the intercostal muscles, to stretch a little bit. And you're exaggerating both the inhale and the exhale. Uh, as if you could breathe through, this is a poetic instruction, as if you could breathe through that whole left side of the body, perhaps. Uh, noticing how the breath comes in and out. You'll take one more breath here. Okie dokie, artichokies. Um, can you flip over onto your other side? Just roll over again. Nobody said yoga had to be graceful. Just rotate around. Uh-huh. And on this side, you have your right arm and right leg extended, and you're making a bit of a rainbow shape here. We like yogi, rainbow yogis. Uh-huh. And then here, the inhale is expanding through those right ribs. Uh-huh. Each time you inhale, as if you could spread the space between the ribs, uh-huh. inviting the breath in. And then the exhale is a long, slow letting go. Each exhale emptying out as best you can. You know, the exhale, when we exhale, we never actually empty completely out until we die. So there'll be a little air each time at the end of the exhale, but emptying out and following the breath to the end. 
as if you were on a little breath path and you were following it, like instead of the yellow brick road, it's the yellow brick breath, (laughs) something like that. Inhaling and exhaling. Mm -hmm. And one more breath. And then once you've finished, you'll move the cushion and come onto your back with nothing under your cushion, under your back. And once you're on your back with nothing under it, you can have something under your head as a pillow, that's always fine. But once you're on your back, pull your knees into your chest and just letting the back of the body rest into the floor here, back of the body. Uh, supported almost like the floor were rising up to meet your skull. And then as you inhale, let your knees float a bit away from the chest, maybe three, four inches. It doesn't have to be big. It's a very light effort. And when you exhale, squeeze the knees in three, three inches, maybe tops. So we'll add, uh, as you exhale, we'll add a snake sound. So when you get to the exhale, there'll be a like a air letting out of the tire all the way. And you'll do this maybe two more times. When you inhale, the knees move a bit away so that the ribs can expand. And when you exhale, the knees come towards so you can snake it out. Uh-huh. Relax your eyes. You'll do one more of those at your own pace. So there'll be a third one. When you finish, place your feet on the floor. Take your time. If I'm I'm rushing you, don't let me rush you. Just take your time. But when you finish, the feet are on the floor. Let your knees sway three, four inches to the right, rolling. Really, I'm hoping for you to bring sensation or bring, actually bring the attention to the sensation at the back of the hips. Let the knees come back up, and they'll go three, four inches over to the left, and the weight of the torso is resting down And the knees will come back up. And you'll go back and forth at your own pace. If you need to go quicker or slower, that's fine. Your way is the best way here. And you're just bringing your attention to the weight at the sacrum and the back of the hips as you roll across there. Noticing if the weight and the sensation is feeling pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, neither pleasant or unpleasant. We talked about this last week for those of you that were here. Just noticing if as you move your knees side to side, pleasant or unpleasant or just kind of neutral, neither one of those things. Okay. 
Let's take the arms up above your head onto the floor. The hands will be palms up. And take a big chest breath, like the chest could expand, expand, expand on the inhale. And the exhale will happen. When you get to your next inhale, whenever that happens, lift your hips up, keeping your arms just where they are, standing on your feet, starting to engage a little bit muscularly. Keep lifting your rib cage up. So you're lifting your tushies up. Feet are on the floor. The arms are on the floor up above your head. Uh Big breath. And bring your hips down. Pull the right knee into the chest. Extend the left leg forward and off the floor, off the mat. Uh Uh-huh. And then engage, lift the um, belly muscles more than you would naturally need to to hold the shape. So you're engaging the floor of the pelvis. That's, um, that's yoga speak for your genitals. Uh, it's like lift, yeah. And then the low belly's lifting, kind of flattening, uh, engaging. I don't know that I mean lift, but engage. Okay, switch legs. Left knee comes in, right legs forward and off the floor. And um, as best you can, keeping soft through the jaw and the neck and the shoulders, and then working actually fairly actively through the floor of the pelvis and the belly, even your right quadricep muscles, the front of the thigh might be engaged. So there's an activation in the lower body and a softening in the eyes, the jaw. All right. Both knees bent, both feet on the floor, hands by your sides. Lift up your hips. Once your hips are up, two full breaths. Breathing in, calm. Breathing out, strong. Uh As you do this, noticing what muscles do you feel are engaging. We balance ease and engagement, effort and effortlessness. Okay, bring your hips down. Open the knees, bottoms of the feet touch. And here I've been actively inviting you to do ribcage breathing. Please do two belly breaths where you keep the ribcage fairly still and you move the belly. Okay. One more breath. Use your hands to pull your knees back together. Roll to your side and come up to a seated position. Ooh. There's a little cricket chirping. Okay. Have your hands on your legs. Oh, sit up on a cushion. Why not? People pay money to have their butts elevated. That's the same joke, too. 
All right. And the hands will be on the legs. So check this out. When you twist right, um, the right, let's see, when you twist right, the right hand comes in and the left hand slides towards the knee. And then you'll come back to center. And then the left hand, as you twist left, comes in. Does that make sense? So the hands are staying and sliding up and down the thighs as you twist side to side. Just like so. Okay, I think you have that. Now, when you're twisting right, keep the chin going right. Let your eyeballs look towards the front. Oh, it's going to make you smarter. Come back to center. And then as you twist left, keep your chin going towards the twist, but your eyeballs towards the front of the room and center. Does that make sense? Okay, so a few more times. Uh, Have your nose and your eyeballs going not in the same direction. When you're twisting to the left, that will be the last one. If you've just gone right, take your time. Go to the left. So we'll meet in the center. All right. So now twist right, but keep your head forward. Oh, and come back. Oh, uh-huh. So shoulders left, but don't move your chin. Just gaze forward. Yeah. And Once more, to the right. So the shoulders and the arms are moving, but the head's staying forward. Okay, now. I know, right? Okay. So shoulders right, head forward, eyes right. Oh, my God. Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'll say it again. Okay, come back to the center. We're going to do the left side. Good thing it's an imperfect practice. Your, your shoulders go left and your eyeballs go left, but keep your nose forward. Ah, and come back. Uh-huh. Just keep trying. Make something up. <laughs> okay, so nose is forward, eyes are right. And then when you're twisting left, nose is forward, eyes are left. Oh, my God. I did say I was going to talk about vulnerability today, right? And imperfections. <laughs> it's suspiciously challenging. Mm-hmm. Brain doesn't like this one. I know, mine doesn't either. Okay. All right, let's do another one. We've been doing um, both hands up and down. <laughs> Someone earlier this week was calling these uh, yoga drinking games and side to side. And she didn't mean that we were drinking. She meant that they're like funny brain things. Okay, so right hand up and down, left hand side to side. Okay, left hand up and down, right hand side to side. And then take your tongue and... All right, interlace around the back. Ooh, la, la, la. Let's come on up. Arms up. Exhale, cactus elbows. Arms up. Inhale. Cactus elbows. One more. Arms up. Cactus elbows. Okay. Let's stand up. Do you feel smarter? 
Okay, there's another twisting one. We've done this one before. Um, so you start just by twisting. The feet are wide and the arms wrap. And uh, the head, you'll notice, is going the same way the torso is going. Your gaze kind of goes right and left. The chin's going right and left. And then one of these times, you'll keep your head behind and let just your body go so you can get your head going opposite your arms. If you think about it too much, it will be an issue. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay. Good. Come to center. And just stand for a moment and see what it feels like to stand. Uh-huh. It could be pleasant, it could be unpleasant, or it could be neither, just kind of neutral. Standing. And then here we go. Inhale, arms up. Look up. Stay standing. Exhale, hands come down the midline. So this is very simple yoga this morning. We'll do complex yoga next week. But this week, inhale. It's very, very simple. Let this be like moving meditation. And you'll do two more. Work at your own pace. If I'm going a little fast or a little slow, just work at your own pace. When you exhale, engage your navel, engage your belly muscles. So as your hands go down, your belly muscles are lifting a little bit. Okay. Good. And the next shape will be a forward fold. If you have a tender back today, uh, brace your elbows on your knees. Brace your elbows on your knees. Let your head hang. Um, And if your back is not tender, you can let the hands hang all the way down to the floor. But you're really working within the capacity of the body, especially as today's theme is vulnerability. So our bodies do get injured. I've noticed, having had one for some years... Uh, So working within the capacity of your body as a way to respect the body. Respect it. Let's take a big breath. And then we'll have our yoga party meet in downward facing dog. Do you know this one? The hands will be at the top of the mat, the feet at the back of the mat. If you have tender wrists, you can be on your elbows. So you could do elbow dog or hand dog. Good. And then our pattern is exhale to plank pose, like you were going to do a push-up. And then inhale right back up into dog. And this will be with your breath, working at your breath pace. Exhaling plank, inhaling dog. Um, If you would like extra challenge, that's optional. Um, So optional as you come forward to plank pose is to bend the elbows a bit. And this will actually require a bit more strength for you. Uh-huh, the getting up part is the deal. <laughs> it's like climbing a tree. You shouldn't climb a tree unless you can get down. My brother learned that as a child. We get into these uh, sticky places at times. Yeah, back and forth. Two more times. Mm-hmm. Good, good. When you've finished, our yoga party will meet in downward-facing dog. Lovely. Mm-hmm. And uh, get your right foot between your hands. It might not get there on the first try. Sometimes you've got to pick it up and put it there. Right foot forward. Uh-huh. Move your back foot two inches to the left. Put the heel down, and you'll come up to warrior one. Uh-huh. Okay, so warrior one. Right knee's bent, left leg straight. Your arms are up. 
Uh And uh, try this breathing pattern. Inhale, arms reach. And exhale, cactus elbows. Mm -hmm. Inhale, arms up. Now as you exhale, can you also bring your elbows down but engage your belly and maybe even that floor of the pelvis. The arms are up on an inhale. And then down, lifting the belly, engaging. Uh Two more. Work at your own pace in case I was breathing and moving too quickly. Really work within the body's and breath range. Our yoga party will meet with both arms up in the air and uh, straighten the right leg. So now both legs are straight. Big inhale. Exhale, tip forward. Arms will come back. And inhale will take you back up to standing. Uh-huh. Exhale, engage your belly as your arms and head come down. And inhale up. Please do two or three more. Something like that. Moving meditation. So just aware, body's moving, breath is moving. Almost like, uh, and this is again a poetic instruction, like you'd smooth out your energy system, uh, smooth out your uh, chi with the movements. Let's see, our party will meet with those arms up in the air. Whenever you get there next, keep them there. So our yoga party meets arms up. And back foot will come forward, arms come down. Shoulders up, inhale, out the mouth. Arms up, inhale, exhale forward, fold. Uh-huh. Let your head drop. Step back into downward dog. And then three times, exhale to plank, inhale to dog. Good. And again, you can bend those elbows as you come forward as an option. Once you've done three, which I think is soon or soonish, our yoga party meets in downward dog. Good. Uh-huh. Good, 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 good. Okay, left foot comes forward between your hands. You might have to pick it up with your left hand, but get it forward. And move your back foot two inches to the right. Put the heel down, and you'll come on up to warrior one. Oh, yeah. So many warriors, so little time. <laughs> okay. Front knees bent. Good. Inhale. Cactus elbows. And the arms will come up. And your task, if you so choose, as you exhale, is to also engage your belly a little bit. It doesn't have to be belly locked down, but there's just a light engagement each time you exhale. Let's see, the arms will meet up. If your arms are up, keep them there. If they're coming there, get them there at their own pace. Left leg will straighten. Here we exhale, engage the belly, and let the arms come back. And you tip forward. And you inhale, come up. And you'll do, oh, three, four of these, something like that. 
Remembering that when you come to my yoga classes, you're in my club, you're invited into my club, and my club is the imperfectionist club, right? Because we're all imperfect. It's the vulnerability of being a human. So even if you're perfect, you're invited into my club. All right, and the arms will come up while our yoga party will meet. We'll take them, uh-huh, and the back foot comes forward. Keep the arms up. Let's exhale, right arm down. Look down. And just linger here for a moment. Reach that top arm as if it could reach up to that impossibly high and beautiful ceiling, even as your gaze is down. And take an inhale into those left ribs, expanding left ribs. Okay, right arm comes up. Left arm and the gaze comes down. Mm-hmm. Do lift your quadricep muscles. Do you know those, the front of the thigh muscles in the belly and the in-breath is expanding your right ribs a bit. Good. And left arm comes up. Stay standing. Both arms come down and there's a pause here to come to a complete and total stop. We'll turn to the right side of the room and we'll do our lovely warrior two. I think we do this every single week. Take your feet wide. Mm -hmm. Turn your right toes to the right. Bend your right knee. Arms are out to the sides. Okay. Now, you have a midline, right? Nose, chin, throat, sternum, navel, pubic bone. I'd like you to imagine that you're going to close and open around the midline. So inhale. Left arm closes around the midline. Let your head drop. You're wrapping around the midline of you. Inhale. Open that left arm up, chest. Uh-huh. Exhale. Close. Inhale. Open. That's your pattern. Do two or three more of those. I know you can't really wrap around your midline, but as if you could. And when you exhale, also engage the navel. Looking for fluidity in the rib cage today. Uh Oh, maybe finish the one you're on. Keep your legs the same, but once you're finished, let your arms come down. You can move your jaw, your head. Uh And then we've been working on this mudra where the first two fingers are pointing. They're together and they're going to point out. You can have sound effects. Nonviolent. Respectful. Oh, so um, Brene Brown was talking about this vulnerability thing and how it takes a lot of courage. And this pose is... Virabhadrasana, which is uh, warrior, courage, right? Two more breaths. Hold steady with courage, even if it's imperfect. Or perhaps I should say, especially if it's imperfect, it takes even more courage. Okay, let the legs straighten, put the arms down, and bring your feet together. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Uh, right knee, left hand, and then left knee, right hand, just like so.
Um, we could go fancy. It is Thursday. <laughs> Foot. Okay. You ready for the next one? It's even more fancy. Behind you. Oh. Opposite hand and foot. Opposite, not same. Oh, let's try same. Oh, try same. Same hand and same foot. Uh huh. And then opposite. And then same. My arms are getting tired. Are yours? No? <laughs> it's just me? Okay, front, opposite. Uh huh. Same. Opposite, same. <laughs> All right, swing your arms. <laughs> that's not yoga. For those of you that haven't done yoga before, that's not yoga. <laughs> All right, take your legs wide. Uh, turn your left toes to the front of the room, and you'll bend your left knee. Good. And so here we have that midline of you again. In fact, take one of your hands and just trace the air in front of you, the midline. So it's like you're imprinting it in your mind and your sense. And then the arms will come out. Uh-huh. Big in-breath. Right hand to left. And then inhale, open. That's your pattern, a few of these. So exhaling, engaging the navel a little bit. And inhaling, opening. Just like so, moving meditation, balancing your effort. It does take effort to be alive. It does take effort to do yoga. But balancing the effort, generally in my experience, when things get more challenging and need more effort, I also need to turn up the volume on the ease, on the effortlessness. All right, put just your arms down. Move your shoulders, move your head. Behind you've got your two fingers, and they're out. Just like so. Hold your gaze, hold your focus. Left knees bent, right leg straight. Uh-huh. Hold your drishti is the fancy yoga word, but that's gaze. Hold your focus. It's good practice. The mind is powerful. So hold your focus right over those fingers with your breath. Um, Holding steady with courage, even if it's slightly imperfect or especially. Two more breaths. Straighten the leg, bring your feet together. Ah. Come to a complete stop. uh, Unlock the back of the knees. Let's bring the hands to the hips, bend the knees. Pick up the right leg, wrap it over the left. The right foot might be up in the air or it might hook behind 
the left leg, it's one or the other. And if your balance is tricky, you can have the right toes on the floor to help with that. You'll bring your right elbow underneath the left and wrap the arms. Good. Standing knee, left knee is bent. Thighs are crossed. And if balance is tricky, you have that toes tipping down, tippy tip toe through the tulips. Squeeze your forearms. Uh-huh. Stand on two feet. Arms by your sides. Hands on your hips. Bend your knees. Pick up your left leg. Wrap it over. So toes can stay up in the air, toes on the floor, or toes hooked behind. And you'll bring your left elbow underneath. And today, if you fall over, it's actually good. Can I tell you why? It's good because we're working with vulnerability and imperfection. This first noble truth there is that which is hard to bear, which, I don't know, is falling out of a balancing pose hard to bear? It could be some days if we wish things were different. I'm knocking your aura. All right, come on up. Stand on two feet. It's easier. Mm-hmm. Shoulders up. Inhale. Out the mouth. Take your feet wide. Turn your right toes to the right, arms out to the sides, and we'll shift into triangle pose, Utita Trikonasana. Good. Good. If your neck is tender, you look down. And then uh, holding steady. Keep your gaze focused. So wherever you're looking, it could be up, it could be straight forward, or it could be down, but keep the gaze very steady. Commit to the shape that you're doing. So often we look around and compare ourselves. I don't know, does your mind have this tendency? And the, the Buddha talks about how we, if we compare ourselves to others, that it leads to suffering. Even if we think we're the same as the other person or equal to, that that habit of comparing can lead to suffering. Have you noticed that? I always compare myself to other yoga teachers it always isn't a good thing because you know what? You are who you are. Take, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. The same for me. Be myself. Everyone else is taken. Let's come on up. Let the arms come down. Switch the feet. Arms out to the sides. And off you go. Sideways. Just like so. Good. And get your gaze steady. So part of why we do that in yoga to steady the gaze is just to begin to draw the attention inward. So we're kind of like, I heard somebody describe this once as minding your own business on the yoga mat. It's really like your business is your business. And then for, for me, uh, sometimes going to a yoga class, I can feel like there's great privacy on the yoga mat um, to just feel and be however I am that day. And this is a gift that you can offer your neighbors in a yoga class by minding your own business, keep your attention inwards. It's a gift. Gift of respect. Let's go ahead and come on up and bring your feet together. 
Right leg lifts, left arm lifts. And put it down. Left leg, right arm. And put it down. Good. Let's face the front of the room. And you'll come into downward dog. Lots of downward dogs today. This will be the last downward dog of the class, if not the day. And you'll take three or four long breaths here. If you find that this pose is uh, not working for your body, respect your body and do uh, the knees on the floor so that you're working within the capacity of the body. Yeah. Let your head drop and your gaze goes up here towards the top of the thighs. Mm -hmm. Oxygenate your system. Refresh yourself with the breath. Okay. We'll try pigeon pose today. So pigeon pose goes like this. Right knee comes up towards the right wrist. Right heel comes under the left hip hip bone. The midline of the back leg is pointing at the floor. If your right butt's up in the air, you can put a cushion under it. And uh, some of you will be able to nest down on your elbows. If you get here, you know, this pose is not sacred. Your body is sacred. So if you get here and this isn't working for your hips, um, often it's trouble in the knee. And so the alternate I'm going to show, if that pose doesn't work, you come on your back for the pose that we normally do, the hip stretch we normally do, the figure four. You can always come back next week. I'll be here. Uh And you have the right heel under the left hip bone. Yeah. Okay. Uh And then the stomach, the place you put the food. Let that go soft. And let the breath refresh you. Is that possible, that instruction? One more breath. A head back into downward facing dog. Oh, I did say the last one was the last one, didn't I? I'm sorry. I lied to you. One breath there. And then the left knee comes forward up to the left wrist. Yeah, left heel under the right hip. Yeah, midline of the back leg. And you can get the cushion under your bum. Nobody said yoga had to be graceful. Sometimes the getting of the cushion is an issue. Turkey visitor. 
It'll come back. Okay, let's come uh, up to sitting. So both, their back leg will swing around in front of you. And then from sitting, you'll come all the way down onto your back. Because believe it or not, we made it all the way back down. You might put your socks back on. if you're Because we're going to lie down for a little bit. We're going to do a twist on our back and then we're going to rest. So a sweater or your socks can be helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once you're on your back bend your knees place your feet on the floor ah, how's the floor is it pleasant unpleasant or neither one of those kind of in between Let's cross the right thigh over the left. Just the thighs cross, not the ankle, if you can get the thighs crossed. Yeah, and without using your arms, pull the knees up. And open the arms out to the sides. And the knees will go over to the left. And some of you, um, you'll get too much sensation. If possible, putting the feet down and letting the legs rest down onto the floor. If they can't reach the floor, then onto a cushion. Do they go all the way down? Okay. Yeah. And if you feel that this is uh, tricky in your lower back, then you can unswivel your legs. So if it feels tricky in your back or your hip or your knee, really tricky anywhere, you can unswivel the legs. Have a sense that the floor is rising up to meet you. And can your... Let's turn this. Okay, so come on up and unswivel your legs and take a pause before you do the other side. And then the other side. So the left leg will come up and the knees will come in and over to the right. 
Good. Let your head turn a little bit to the left. And again, if you can't get your feet or your knees to the floor, you can put a cushion under there. I've been to the floor. It's not more spiritual. So you can support your body here. You okay? You don't have to. Your knees got to do what the knees got to do. Okay. I'm hoping for a relaxing shape. Let the eyes soften. So today, in a few minutes after the um, resting on our backs, when we sit up to meditate, we're not going for a perfect meditation today. That whole um, line of thinking where we're... um, It's not that we don't try and improve our lives or our situation, but when we get really stuck in that kind of self-improvement, everything must be better, that that can cause some suffering, some difficulties. So the meditation today, whatever happens, will be just perfect, good enough. Okay, so let's come up and you'll stretch yourself out. If, if lying flat is uncomfortable for you, a blanket under your knees or the folded up, yeah, you can also have a pillow under your head or under your knees. Let your eyes settle. So, let the eyes deepen into the night face, into the into the face. The eyes deepen into the face like stars in the night sky. And somehow, as if you could unstick your brain from the inside of your skull.
Let your windpipe, your esophagus settle back and down. If you're feeling peaceful, you might not be. This is the human experience. But if you are feeling peaceful, savor that. Take a deep breath. You'll bend your knees one at a time and place your feet on the floor or the cushion. And you'll roll to your right side. And you'll make your way up to a seated position for the meditation. If you want to sit on the floor, just get your cushions organized. If you would prefer to sit on a chair, you can leave your mat and just shift to a chair.
Okay. If you would like to work with some mudras, some hand positions, you can take your first two fingers of both hands and connect them to the thumb. Uh, yeah, first two, I'm sorry, the middle finger and the ring finger on both hands, and they go to the thumb. Middle and ring finger, and the other fingers are kind of like rock on. All right, and you have the right hand up high with the th- where the thumb and the fingers meet right at the midline, and the left hand low. And then once your hands are here, very gently uh, untouch the thumb and the fingers and then retouch them like you're closing an electric circuit. Take a breath. Extend the pinky and the pointer fingers. And here, as if you were holding a butterfly, something delicate at your midline. And then take your hands to a grapefruit mudra where you have just the tips of the fingers touching. And here's this very poetic instruction as if you could breathe in and out through the space between your hands. When you're ready, could be now or could be later, you can let your hands rest down.
The instructions have two parts. The first part is the part you might have heard of many times. Just to bring your attention to the breath. When the mind wanders, and it will wander, (coughs) bring the attention back to the breath. That's the first half of the instruction. Second half of the instructions, which are maybe talked about less often, but in my mind are just as important, is to notice when the mind doesn't come back, what's happening. So we notice the present moment experience, which can include things beside the breath. So if you hear sounds, you can notice sounds. You notice emotions, you could notice emotions or pain. Just whatever is here, this moment to moment attention. That everything is included in the meditation. Notice restlessness or boredom or peace or sounds or thinking. Just whatever is here, moment to moment. Using the breath, the first half of the instructions to stabilize.
and be useful. Use a very gentle mental noting of here. Here. So bring your attention to this moment.
Here. Here.
So, at this point in the class, um, you can roll up your mat and we'll come quite a bit closer because you're very far away. So we'll gather up the chairs, we'll come forward. And if you wanna stay on the floor, just keep your cushions, but you can roll up your mats and you'll just scooch forward. So at this point in the class, we uh, share names. So you'll say your name, and um, the group will say it back. So it goes something like this. Ashley. Ashley. Yeah, perfect. You've got it. Jan. Jan. Thelma. Thelma. Aaron. Lou. Lou. Bana. Bana. Elaine. Elaine. Melanie. Melanie. Nancy. Nancy. Dana. Dana. Julie. Claudia. Kelly. Casey. Adele. Right. <laughs> um, so welcome everyone and I'm wondering if there are there don't have to be but I just wanted to give a little space for comments or questions about the meditation in case there was anything yeah um, oh. I know <laughs> um, I have not meditated much at all okay and when I do, uh, when it's not a guided meditation such as this, I also 
did like an eight-week course uh-huh. uh, through Kaiser, I pretty much drift off to sleep. Ah. So, I, you know, and I, uh, I don't want to get caught in, am I doing it wrong? Am I doing it right kind of thing? Mm-hmm. But it's hard, I, you know, and I'll sort of come awake and bring myself back to here, but is that not ideal? Does it matter? I mean, I'm relaxed, so... Right. Okay, so this this is a, I think you can just put the mic down, I think. Um this is an interesting question. Who here has experienced sleepiness during meditation before? Yes. Okay. So I um also on Facebook one of my favorite videos that pops up in my feed because I have a lot of meditator friends is a video of these little boys meditating uh, in Asia. They're in monks robes. Have you seen this? And they fall. There's one that's in the front that's falling asleep, and he um, bunks his head on the floor sometimes. And then the little boy behind him, like as soon as he sees the boy in front, he'll like grab his robe and pull him back up. And it's pretty funny, only because this is like this. You know, I experienced this too. It's part of meditating. Actually, is sleepiness. It's called. Um, it's one of the hindrances, and I hesitate to use the word hindrance because then, then it sets up this, oh, it's hindering me, it shouldn't be here. But you're pointing to this, um, if we get stuck in the, am I doing it right, am I doing it wrong, we can get really stuck in this thing that's actually not helpful. It's, it's, when we meditate, we're moving away from the, is this right, is this wrong kind of mindset into the direct experience. So um, just noticing sleepiness is one of the classic instructions. Sleepiness is like this. So um, the other thing to know, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to say about sleepiness. Um, When we're meditating, ideally, so mindfulness meditation is about bearing witness to the human condition, which includes sleepiness, includes restlessness, it includes... Uh, It includes the whole thing. We sit down. One of the first insights we see is that we don't actually have complete control over the system. We fall asleep, thinking happens. That's actually an insight into not-self. It's brilliant when you notice that. Um, So, And then that said, ideally, we're balancing alertness with ease and relaxation. Because if we're too alert, we're going to be on high alert, anxiety. And if we're too relaxed, we're asleep. So ideally balancing those. And then the deal is that those don't always balance so easily. Because we're we're a system that's always in flux, that's always changing. Um, And so some of the instructions for sleepiness, if you notice that it's something that's a habit, that's starting to happen a lot, um, is to actually start the meditation with your eyes open and um, don't let them close. (laughs) I can fall asleep with my eyes open. (laughs) It's a special skill developed through meditation. (laughs) But it is helpful to start with the eyes open um, or you could even do standing meditation. Um, just stand up and try meditating standing. And again, it's not about making it a problem, but it's, it is about working. So we'll be, when we meditate, we're working with our hearts and our minds. And um, you're right, sleepiness, it is relaxing. It can be actually quite pleasant. Um, but it's not exact. We're going for presence, moment-to-moment attention, and we... It's interesting, um, I teach a guided meditation in the yoga tradition of reclining, and people with practice can actually be aware in sleepiness, 
through that practice. And we could even do that in a seated meditation, started starting to be aware of sleepiness is like this. So I know I'm falling asleep because the quality of my thoughts change and they start to be fantastical. And when I'm awake, my thoughts are more verbal. And when I'm starting to be sleepy, I start to see more images. And so actually, did you notice that I was describing something like I'm quite aware of the process of falling asleep. So there was mindfulness there. And that's actually all we're going for. Right? Um, So try opening your eyes. Try standing up. And just try and bring a little more energy in. My husband has, um, he has the superpower of being able to fall asleep at any time. Um, I think it's a superpower as someone who doesn't sleep that well. But when he sits to meditate, that's the thing that happens to him. He just falls asleep. And he, uh, I started asking him to start meditating with his eyes open from the start. And he said that he could notice when he started getting anxious thoughts, he fell asleep. I thought that was really interesting. And that's actually a lot of mindfulness. Like, oh, like for some of us, if we get anxious thoughts, we get wound up. And for others of us, if we get anxious thoughts, we conk out. And I'm not saying that's happening for you. I'm saying investigate, because you are very different than my husband, as far as I can tell. (laughs) So investigate and see like, oh, what is this sleepiness? Is it just a habit? Often, the only time we're quiet, we, we have the habit of going to sleep at night or for a nap, and so sometimes it could be just a habit. It might not be a deep-seated psychological thing. It could be just like the habit. So investigate, yeah, yeah. Anything else about meditation? I think it's interesting. Our minds, they're so fascinating. Endlessly, anything else? Yeah? Okay, if you have a question and you don't, want to ask in front of the room because it's too vulnerable you can ask me at the end and I um, have time after class okay so vulnerability I was walking last weekend with a friend of mine on Saturday it was a beautiful day we've had some beautiful days and we were on this hike and we were she's a meditation a dharma practitioner also and we were talking about how, uh, for us, the teachings really about instructions on how to be human, how to be human. It's challenging to be a human. It can be at times, and that all of the instructions really can come back to this, how, how, to, how to be human, how do we deal with this human life? And, um, and that in combination with that is this real... Um, through the practices of meditation and the wisdom and the development of compassion, that this interesting thing happens is that there's more and more capacity to be with vulnerability. More and more capacity of tenderness. Or um, uh, We're even using the word rawness. Rawness. So moving out of defensiveness and defendedness and into contact with life, how to be a human. And that by its nature is actually quite vulnerable or raw or tender. Um, I, when I first started doing yoga and meditation decades ago at this point, I thought, because you hear words like enlightenment and nirvana, and I thought, oh, I'm going to go there. It's going to be blissful and wonderful. And 
I mean, it's, it's, you know, some bliss and happiness does come through the practices, but actually it's uh, towards more vulnerability, towards more capacity to be a human, more capacity to hold my own uh, shadow, my own tenderness, and growing more capacity to be able to be with other people too. Does that make sense? I thought I was going towards this defended and vulnerable thing, you know, with a halo or something like perfection. It's this uh, idea of spiritual practice being transcendent, like we're going to climb the mountain. But what's happened really is it's more like jumping in a river and falling the river to the ocean and seeing that we are all in this together. How can we be a human? How do we meet that which is hard to bear? So this first noble truth, that which is hard to bear, that in this life we have difficulties, um, that we age, that we get ill, that we die, um, a.k.a. we're vulnerable, that there's a kind of tenderness. So I've noticed for myself, like um, if I'm in a yoga class and something's difficult, like a pose is hard or my body starts shaking, Um, My mind, if something is difficult, my mind will automatically start telling a story about me or the teacher or the yoga practice about how they're wrong. Like, oh, uh, you know, this teacher, blah, 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 or my body, it should be better, I should have done blah, 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 blah. So that the habit mind, the habit mind, when things are difficult, when things are not perfect, the habit mind can maybe not for you, but can actually turn towards defensiveness and defendedness rather than just touching, just touching the awkwardness or the difficulty. And that's why I like to tell people during yoga, like, oh, nobody said it had to be graceful or nobody said it had to be perfect because this is humanness, how to be human. We're human beings. Leonard Cohen has that very famous quote, the crack is how the light gets in, like this humanness. So Brene Brown, um, she is a researcher and speaker. She's um, based out of the University of Houston Graduate College of Social Work. And she studies vulnerability, courage, worthiness, and shame. Isn't that interesting, this pile of topics? Vulnerability, courage, worthiness, and shame. And she said she studied shame for like six years before she could understand uh, vulnerability and that, that, that shame was the pathway towards uh, connection, towards uh, courage, towards uh, truthfulness, towards uh, being human. I thought that was really interesting. So if you're interested in her, she's a brilliant speaker. She's got some TED Talks and then some books. So you can look her up. Um, She says that vulnerability is not a weakness and that this myth is profoundly dangerous. It's in our culture that if if, uh, we're vulnerable, that that, that's weak, that something's wrong, that it's your fault if something goes wrong, like if you're homeless or if you're ill, like it's your fault. We can see this in our culture right now. It's coming out quite strongly, a lack of empathy, a lack of understanding that actually it's difficult to be a human at times. It's not always difficult. It can be quite glorious and beautiful. But this first noble truth, there is that which is hard to bear. There is vulnerability. 
And that um, when we see vulnerability actually as courage, the ability to take emotional risk, that we are um, risking exposure and uncertainty, that this actually uh, can fuel us in our life to aliveness and connection. So things are uncertain. Have you noticed this? Things are uncertain. We just don't know. We don't know what's going to happen later today. We don't know what we think we know. But actually, things are uncertain. And that is actually the nature of life, this humanness, that things are uncertain. And that uh, if we can meet that uncertainty with uh, courage, that that's the development of courage. So... um, how can I explain this? So I've heard that public speaking is people's number one fear, over fear of death. <laughs> Have you heard this? Um, I guess so. It strikes yeah. me. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like people would be more afraid of public speaking because it's vulnerable. It's actually like a little like, oh. Um, when I started thinking I wanted to give Dharma talks and be a Dharma teacher, I was like, wow, this is, this is like, it's actually more vulnerable than teaching a yoga class in my mind, standing up in front of people and speaking. Um, and that actually, that's where the aliveness comes through. That when we're trying to present a perfect front, that, that, that very perfect, that's a defense mechanism against the uncertainty of life. And that we're all imperfect. We're all going to make mistakes. Um, and the question is, how, do, how, how can we respond? How can we move forward from that? Um, that vulnerability is the most accurate measure of courage. To let ourselves be seen and to be honest that takes a lot of courage, right? This is one of the things that um, sometimes before I go on a meditation retreat, I feel so happy about that I don't have to pretend anything for the amount of time I'm on a meditation retreat because it's just me. And so if I'm like grumpy for five days on a meditation retreat, like I don't have to be the non-grumpy Ashley for whatever, right? Like that mindfulness... Mindfulness, this practice of moment-to-moment attention, it, um, there's an element of truthfulness in there, like just being how we really are. Like this is how it is. Anxiety is like this. Grumpiness is like this. Or sleepiness is like this. It's this human experience. Um, and that uh, it is an accurate measure of courage to let ourselves be seen. So Brene was talking about how when people ask her to speak, they want her to speak about, not about shame and vulnerability, that she, get call, she gets lots of calls to speak about uh, creativity and innovation and change. Those sound great, right? Creativity, innovation, and change. But where does creativity come from? Vulnerability. Creativity is something that wasn't here before, is now here, something new. Our change, change, the fact of change itself is vulnerable because it's uncertain. We don't know, like the change from Friday to Thursday, it's uncertain. It's a silly example. Like there's way bigger examples in our lives, but this change from Friday morning yoga class now to Thursday morning, like, like it's just like this vulnerability. It's uncertain. We don't know what it's like. It's something new. That vulnerability is the birthplace of innovation and change. 
because it's a place of freshness, a place of uncertainty and change. To create is to make something that never existed before, and to be with change is to be vulnerable, to be with uncertainty. So then she goes on to talk about shame. Anybody here been ashamed before? (laughs) Right? Um, It's endemic in our culture, and she says that it shows up differently for men and women, and that for men, um, there's only one man today. (laughs) Usually I bring my husband, sorry. Oh, it's vulnerable. There's only one man. Okay, anyway, Um, maybe you don't see it that way. That for men, that um, men are told to not show any weakness at all, like, this is the deal, like, don't, like, don't be. And then for women, that women uh, have to prevent, uh, present a very perfect front, like, on all, like, this sort of, on all fronts, uh, physical appearance, and then perfect mom, perfect worker, like, everything has to be done, this sort of up to very high standards, um, like, that are conflicting. Often the messages are conflicting, this kind of double bind. And that people don't want to talk about shame because it's shameful, <laughs> and it's uncomfortable. Um, and she talks about having a shame, like a shame crisis. And she talks about, I thought this was very interesting, as a spiritual awakening. That if we can actually see this humanness that we all experience shame. She said the only people that don't experience shame are psychopaths. So actually, if you have a little bit of shame, this is good. It means that you're a caring person. Um, that we can enter the swampland of the soul. We don't want to live there. Sometimes um, I can get, I want to stay on the couch for a few days. <laughs> like that. Oh, um, We don't want to live there, but we want to learn how to walk through and find our way around. And that shame is different than guilt. So shame is about the, the sense of I am bad, and guilt is, I've done a bad thing. That those are very different things. That when we're guilty about something, we, we don't feel that who we are in itself is wrong or bad. That guilt is actually a way for us to move forward. If we feel like our behavior was bad, then we can make amends, we can apologize. And that shame itself is this, this sense of, I am bad. And I was thinking about this, and how does it relate to uh, Dharma teachings, the teachings of the Buddha, Um, to not venture too far into the psychological, but actually see how does this connect to the Dharma teachings. And there's something in the Dharma, in the Buddhist teachings called Sakaya Ditti. Sakaya Ditti is the view of the self. So we all have a view of ourself. And often the view of the self is uh, shame, like underneath, parts of it are shameful. But the Buddha says that any view of the self whether it's a positive view of the self or a negative, that any view of the self actually can cause suffering. It's not that you're not here. It's that when we get really attached to this view of who we are, that that causes suffering. That um, those stories, I talked about this a few weeks ago, that we have lots of stories about who we are. And so some of those stories can be unskillful in uh, this shame-based story about who we are. And that's just a story. It's not actually who you are. Because who you are is 
uh, much more mysterious and vast. I've given this example so many times, but I really like it because it's, it's clear to me. Like I can tell you a story about my mother. She's thus tall. She looks this way. She has these qualities. She's kind. She's creative. Like, but that is never the same. Those are stories. It's never the same of my actual mother. If she were right here, and I could hold her hand. So the self-view, the stories that we have, are just stories. They're important at times because they can cause suffering or they can um, be skillful or unskillful, those stories. But they're not who you are. So the Sakaya Ditti, the story of who you are, is not who you are. And that um, when we can begin to see that the shame story is just a story, and then we might need some help with therapy and um, community, right? Like we need different skillful means to help us. Um, but the wisdom is that we're not, we're not the Sakaya Ditti. And that it's okay to fail. That it's okay to have shameful spots. Um, so Brene was talking about how the TED conference is actually a conference of people that have failed many, many times. And that we keep pressing this, how to be human. How do we fail many, many times? How do we stick our foot in our mouth many, many times? How do we, how do we allow ourselves to bounce back from that? So um, this lovely quote from uh, Theodore Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who's vulnerable, right? So it's not the critic, but it's who's vulnerable, the actor, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error. Huh, that's a good one. There is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions? Who spends himself in a worthy cause? Who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement? And who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly? so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And I think we could actually even turn the idea of the critic, the cold and timid souls in this quote, to the parts of ourselves, the inner critic part. Like, yes, yes, and we're going to go forward again anyway. This, this courage, this vulnerability, and, and try again and again and again. Um, so uh, shame, shame, the only way to address, well, I won't say the only way, that's probably, you could probably think of other ways, but one very good way to deal with our own inner critic and our own shame is the turn towards empathy, to turn towards self-compassion, to turn towards um, a little bit of kindness and understanding that we all have this, like we all have the critical, shameful voices. We all have um, the shadow spots. We all have the part that wants to sit on the couch for a week and eat popcorn, (laughs) Um, right? So 
this a, a little bit of empathy and willingness to let that view go and again and again and again step forth and um, enter into the arena. So, ooh, ooh. okay. Um, a few years ago, so every, every five years or so, maybe a little longer than that, Spirit Rock runs uh, teacher trainings for people to teach meditation retreats. And um, the training is four or five years long. And a few years ago, somebody was right in the middle of this teacher training, and I was teaching yoga up the hill. And there was a new teacher. He was in the teacher training. And he uh, had to give his first Dharma talk in a room, not a room of like 15 people, that's right here, like a room full of 90 to 100 people up the hill. It's very silent. It's very intimidating. And he was very vulnerable. He was very afraid. And um, he, he uh, turned to me to help him through the process because I'm not a senior teacher. I'm, you know, anyway. So anyway, for whatever reason, he turned to me. And it was very, actually, his first talk, it wasn't perfect. I've heard many other more um, smooth, polished Dharma talks, but it was so real. And um, I... I felt like the like we were all in this together, like because we all know what it's like to feel really um, unsure and uncertain and vulnerable to sit in front and talk. And I, I just I still think about that. Actually, it's been years, and just that sense of his courageousness to do it anyway because it was a big edge for him, obviously, but, and to show up and be willing to actually it wasn't so polished and perfect. But then, like, the realness and the modeling of mindfulness and presence and the ability to just be with, like, wow, this is a little awkward. I don't know what to say right now. I thought it was really beautiful. And it just something that I still think about, actually, years later, that ability to turn towards. And that's um, really one of the things that we develop when we sit down to meditate. We sit with ourselves, and we're again and again developing the muscle instead of a push-up muscle it's a heart muscle really of turning towards ourselves turning towards ourselves turning towards this moment at a time uh, to dare greatly okay so uh, we tell ourselves that we can uh, only enter the arena of life once we have perfected ourselves, once we have become bulletproof. And that's really seductive, but it's not true. The truth is that we'll never get to that perfect state. Is that bad news <laughs> for you? Like that perfect state, it's all in process. I used to think once I became adult, there I don't know, I just thought there would be like this fixed thing that happened, and now I'm like, well into middle age and I'm like wow it's never happened that way it's always changing like there's always this unfolding and we're always perfecting ourselves yes and there's no perfect state because of the nature of uncertainty and change and um, this this uh, this nature of life um, and that we don't actually even really want this of others' perfection, right? Like, it's the imperfection that helps us see, that helps us take courage, that helps us model, like, there's a possibility for each of us that we, too, can step forth. And uh, whatever that might be for you, give a Dharma talk that seems really scary, or, you know, whatever that might be for you in your life that's vulnerable. I have a quote to end, if I can find it. 
Oh, wait, here it is. Okay, so this is Helen Keller. She had a lot up against her, right? She says, Security is mostly a superstition. It does not exist in nature, nor do the children of men as a whole experience it. So security is a false idea. She says, God himself is not secure, having given man dominion over his works. That's funny. Avoiding danger is no safer in the long run than outright exposure. The fearful are caught as often as the bold. Life is either a daring adventure or nothing. To keep our faces towards change and behave like free spirits in the presence of fate is strength undefeatable. So let's pause for a moment. We have to end um, a couple of announcements and then a very brief closing dedication. Do you have announcements? Are you still looking for new volunteers? <laughs> I think that's always the case. If you're interested, if you come semi-regularly or want to help out with the class, it's a nice way to feel part of the class, I think, to feel involved. And then um, if you, you can talk to Bana about that. It involves coming a little early and uh, helping clean up. And then you get credit for day-longs, right? Or no? No, we don't get credits for day-longs. You get to come to the class. Oh, well, that's nice. Um, and uh, coming up on May 21st, I have a workshop in the East Bay. I'm calling it the Joys of Mindfulness, really talking about mindfulness. We'll do uh, a, a little like we did today. It's an afternoon. It's a Sunday afternoon workshop where we do some yoga and then some meditation and talk about mindfulness. And um, that's May 21st. If you're interested, I forgot the flyers. If you're interested, come and talk to me and I can tell you about it. It's in the East Bay on a Sunday. Um, any other announcements? I think that's all. Okay, I hope to see you again sometime on another Thursday morning soon. And may you be safe and protected. And may you be as healthy as possible with this body and heart. And may you know peace. And may you know the courage, the courage of life. And um, may you travel through vulnerability with a little bit of courage. Is there any blessing? Let's do this with the arms. So hands up. If you could beam it out, any blessings from this class, any goodness arising, let's send it out. Courage to the world. May all beings everywhere, in fact, bring your hands to namaste. May all beings everywhere know peace and the causes of peace. Namaste.
So thank you so much. Hope to see you soon. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.